This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Hi, I'm Chris Judd and you're watching Talk Your Book and today we're very lucky to be joined by Romano Salatena from Katana Asset Management. Romano, uh, repeat guest back on the show, thanks so much for giving us some of your time. Yeah, thanks for having us Chris. And what stock did you want to speak about today? Oh, look, it's, it's always a bit dangerous talking about a gold stock, but I'm, I'm going to go with Regis, and it's probably more a factor of, of the fact that there's a lot of things right at the moment that we don't want to invest in. So there's a lot of companies that we're getting pretty excited about valuation-wise, but we still think we've got another 12 months to play it before we want to start to, to look at, them, for example, some of the non-banks. So there's only a handful of sectors that we're really comfortable investing right at the moment. Lithium's top of the pop, Sam, you know, three of our top 10 stocks in the lithium space. I think gold is one where you can still make a case for, uh, you know, a positive outlook. And uh, and certainly Regis got some good drivers, even if the gold price doesn't kick from here. And so maybe we'll dig in deeper into the individual idiosyncratic nature of Regis in a sec, but maybe give us your helicopter view of the gold market. And why is that one of the sectors where you're interested in uh, at this moment in time? Yeah, I mean, I've been tracking gold for almost 30 years. And I would say that it is absolutely impossible to determine with any confidence and any um, success where the gold price is going to go. I mean, the classic theory says that the gold price, you know, is inverted to the US dollar, and it's as simple as mapping that. But we've we've tracked at least seven other factors that can impact the gold price at any given time, and and override the impact of the US dollar. So, in short, it's very hard to call. But I think right at the moment, you can make a case if we are seeing peak inflation, if we are seeing interest rates close to at peak, um, then you can argue that interest rates coming off uh, is is not positive for the US dollar and it's also uh, not as detrimental to holding gold. So the case from here, I mean, Macquarie's come out this morning saying that they, they see gold's about to punch through the 2075 level and, and kick on from there. So I think the macro for gold is best described as okay. And talk me through uh, Regis, talk me through their three deposits in Australia and, and how you're viewing them. Yeah, so I mean, there's a lot of things to like about Regis and, and the first thing as you mentioned is that they are in Australia. Um, so, you know, you don't have a lot of uh, large scale producers in this country. If you look at uh, with Newcrest now effectively off the boards, they're gone. Uh, you've got, you know, Northern Star Evolution, which are household names, and then you've got Regis in terms of size for Australian producers. And, and scale is everything in gold production for a whole variety of reasons. The deposits are Duketon North and South, uh, which we, we just see really as, as, as one of the Duketon combined. And then Tropicana, which they've got a 30% stake in, uh, which Anglo manages, and that is a, a tier one world-class asset. And McFilmy's uh, as well in New South Wales recently awarded. You, how are you viewing that and, and what sort of growth prospects can that provide down the path? Look, McFilmy's is an absolute game changer. I mean, we've got to be a little bit careful here because there is still a section 10 federal notice um, that's being reviewed at the moment. It would be extraordinary if if they were to uh, find in favour or find against uh, Regis there. But until that's uh, that's finalised, we're just being a little bit circumspect about the impact that McFillam is. But if that gets up and running, that's 200,000 ounces per annum. It's got um, an initial reserve life of 10 years, but there's a, there's a stack more there, there's no doubt. 
Um, and that'll bring uh, regions from about a 500,000 ounce producer to 700,000 ounce of production per annum. That really moves them into the big time. And, you know, every international gold company is looking at Australia because of its, you know, tier one uh, jurisdiction in terms of sovereign risk, geology, uh, expertise and infrastructure. You know, you've really got three players to look at, Northern Star, Evolution and Regis. You mentioned jurisdictional risk a, a couple of times. And I mean, we saw particularly with coal in, in Queensland, some of the government's uh, policy changes there, um, some of the policy changes around gas. And, and there are a lot of investors saying that Australia does now carry considerable jurisdictional risk uh, compared to how it's historically viewed. Do you think that's only in the commodities that are viewed as, you know, the naughty commodities, if you like, and, and not so much commodities like gold? Yeah, really good question. I mean, w just generally across the whole spectrum now, we've moved uh, regulatory risk up into our top three um, factors to consider for pretty much every company across the spectrum. You know, it may not be the same level of regulatory risk as, as we're seeing with coal and gas, but every company has got increased regulatory risk now. It's gone from being something which you can sit on the periphery to something that's really mainstream in terms of of how the work that we now do on it. I think in terms of gold, I think, you know, WA's got some uniqueness. One is that most of the big WA gold deposits are in the desert. And if you're going to mine for gold anywhere, that's where you want to mine. Number two, it is such a key commodity in this state that you would be uh, fighting a very tough battle as a government uh, to increase the level of regulatory um, uh, oversight in that commodity or taxes or royalties, or whatever the like. Um, and, you know, it is such a large, employ, large employer and people do understand that it is a difficult commodity um, to, you know, commercially produce. And in terms of their hedge book, um, you know, the, the, the previous founders of Regis, Mark Clark and the team, who are absolutely brilliant operators, did, did leave a considerable hedge book in place, which is coming to an end uh, in FY24, I believe. Maybe talk us through what that what that's looked like and uh, how big a tailwind that could be going forward once that's closed. Yeah, I think that's um, you know spot on. That's one of the areas that's really held the stock back in our view. I mean, you know, the previous team left over four hundred thousand ounces at a you know cost of roughly fifteen to sixteen hundred or price of fifteen to sixteen hundred Aussie an ounce, which is half the current Aussie gold price of about three thousand dollars an ounce. So, an extraordinary hole they've left now. You know, Jim Barry and his team have been slowly and diligently working through that. They're down to 145,000 ounces. Um, they'll have 125,000 ounces left to deliver into the FY24. Now, if you look at that roughly, we've said 100,000 ounces um, at, you know, uh, uh, $1,500 uh, that they're losing on that. That's about 150 million plus that they're having off their bottom line. So post FY24, you know, there's an immediate uplift coming through in their numbers just as those hedges roll off or in the order of sort of 150 to 200 million. And CapEx also reducing significantly in a, a similar sort of time frame. What sort of numbers have you put around what the CapEx will drop by, say, for FY23 into FY24? Yeah, so, so they've made it pretty clear. They've had over 18 months of uh, overinvestment, if you like, in, in their major operations, Duketon and Tropicana. That's now coming to an end this quarter, and they'll move into a minimum of 18, 24 months of, of much higher free cash flow, flow generation. So we look at sort of the CapEx and, and um, revenue together, and we're sort of expecting that 
you know, free cash flow is going to go from sort of 80 odd million to well over 200 million uh, in FY24 and sort of closer to just a bit under 200 million in FY25. And that comes at a good time as they potentially might need to fund McPhillamy's. And could you see them pulling off McPhillamy's with a little bit of debt and the increased cash flow? Is it just too early to tell whether or not they'll really need to raise significant amounts of capital to get that up and going? They won't need to raise significant amounts of capital. There's, uh, there is a very high level of uh, free, uh, free cash flow coming through in the next two years. That's the first thing. They've only got a very small amount of debt, really, or modest amount of debt on the, on the uh, balance sheet at the moment. I think with some hedging, and I know that's a dirty word with Regis, but I think if they're prepared to put a little bit of hedging in it, close to 3,000 Aussie an ounce rather than 1,500 an ounce, I think that, um, that financing it through the banks, given their existing portfolio of assets, and given the existing um, you know, production and market capitalisation, it'd be a very easy uh, walk up to, to get debt funding for the balance. And the costs are really high for all Aussie gold producers at the minute. In Regis's last quarterly sort of spoke to that, but also a production miss as well. Are you looking through that? Do you feel that was a runoff or were you nervous about the outlook post that, that miss? No, look, I think it was well flagged. I mean, they have had, you know, not a one-off. They've probably had four or five quarters, which have, you know, if you look at their last six quarters, four or five have been suboptimal. Mm. But they've, again, they've made it pretty clear they're investing for the future there. They're investing for, you know, to maintain the level of production. They could have wound down the production and focused on um, cash flow generation. But looking at the sustainability of the business, they've made the decision to go underground at both their operations. So that's large capex to get to get to that point and higher costs. Uh, but that that is now sunk and that investment's in the in the portfolio and they'll start to reap the benefit of that as they move forward. And maybe just give us a, a bit of a broad overview of the numbers, their market cap, what sort of EBIT you could see them doing, maybe particularly once that capex is normalised and uh, what sort of growth you could see, maybe assuming that McPhillamy's gets up and, and operational. Yeah, look, I think with, um, with gold stocks, you know, we've got some EBITDA and we, we, we sort of think, for example, that they'll go from roughly 400 EBITDA this year to sort of 500, 550 in the next two years. But I think with gold stocks, you know, EBITDA, I hate to say it, it really is a rubbery number, despite all the efforts to... Um, you know, enforce much tighter standards around what's capitalised and what's expensed. I think EBITDA in gold, in gold companies is just not something you need to spend too much time on. I really think what you need to focus on is operating cash flow and most importantly, free cash flow. You know, at the end of the day, it's a, it really is as simple with gold stocks as saying, what have they spent? What have they got back? What's the difference for the year? Now, you know, over a year or two, you might see that free cash flow is negative, as we're seeing for the last couple of years, as, as they're having big periods of um, of growth capex. But if year after year after year, you're seeing free cash flow low or negative, that says it all. And that's one of the things that's really attracted us to Regis. It's one of the few gold companies that's paid dividends since 2015. It was one of the best dividend paying companies. And if you actually reconcile cash at the beginning and the end of the year, you get a really good outcome, apart from the last sort of 18 months where it has been this period of, of high level of uh, growth capex as opposed to sustaining capex. What about answers in the ground? Do you sort of see that as a relevant way of valuing, you know, some of these major large cap producers that may become takeover targets going forward? 
I, th- I think it's important, and I think that's the one area where Regis perhaps needs to do a little bit more work. Uh, but you need to be careful about just looking at ounces in the ground because, you know, for starters, you've got different categories of resource, and, you know, inferred resource and indicated measured are very different to uh, a reserve, but also amongst themselves. So you need to look at what sort of quality you're looking at in terms of the category and how much drilling has been done. The second thing you need to understand, though, is that um, underground mines have a much higher level of replacement. Mm. So um, with open-cut mines, you're depleting much quicker, and once you've drilled them out, you're not normally going to find a lot more ore. As you head underground, you know it's only economic to drill a certain depth down. So the deeper you go, the more drilling you do. And, and you see time and time again the good quality underground mines replace their ounces um, and have a net positive depletion, not negative depletion each year, and, and can go for, you know, for literally decades. And we've seen that, for example, with some St. Barbara assets and the like there. Regis has just gone underground at Tropicana, just gone underground at Duketon. So, you know, in our mind, there's a, there's a long runway in terms of new ounces that they'll, they'll add over the coming years. And you mentioned Newcrest, obviously, no longer part of the ASX or soon to be. Uh, there are some other you know, major ASX-listed gold companies, a little bit bigger than Regis, but it is one of the major players. Can you see consolidation in the, the gold industry going forward? I certainly can. Um, I mean, you know, Regis now is the third largest domestic producer and it's the fourth largest producer on the ASX behind, say, Perseus, which is producing close to the same amount of ounces. But Perseus assets are in, you know, in Ghana and uh, Cote d'Ivoire. So with the utmost respect to Perseus, would you prefer to have your assets in WA, Tier 1 jurisdiction or, you know, West African jurisdictions? Um, can I see further consolidation? Look, I certainly can. I think that when you look at the... Um, some of these assets like Regis, for example, are trading well below what we will determine a proper book value, well below replacement cost. It doesn't make sense to take the risk mm-hmm. on exploring, uh, developing, you know, permitting, which is always a big risk. And even though permitting in these areas gets through, it's taking longer and longer and longer. So, you know, when you look at, say, from discovery to production, maybe eight to 10 years, when you've got something like a Regis here with 500,000 ounces of the pathway to 700, I think it makes a lot more com- commercial sense now. We have seen a lot more discipline in this past five years from the from the resource majors across the board. So they're not just out willingly you know, making acquisitions, but I do think that it, there's a compelling case for some of these gold stocks to um, to be acquired. It's a compelling case you put forward as always, Romano. Maybe to finish, just tell people where they can find out more about you and Katana and how you guys look to invest. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Yeah, so www.katanaasset.com. We've got uh, different uh, newsletters and so forth. And, um, you know, we're always happy to have a, a chat chat with potential investors about uh, how we go about uh, managing money. Beautiful, mate. Thanks very much for, for coming back on the show. Thanks for having us, Chris. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Honan, who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest.